Hello, and welcome to the first podcast of my thoughts, uh, specifically about movies, video games, uh, stuff to nerd out about, I guess. Um, in the first episode, I'm going to talk about the movie Legend with Tim Curry and Tom Cruise, the one that's directed by Ridley Scott, uh, the 1985 one. Um, I guess just to get started with it, what interested me in it was the, I kept seeing this image online about Tim Curry uh, wearing this ginormous devil costume, and I just, I couldn't figure out what it was from at first, I looked into it, and then I found it pretty quickly, and I just was amazed at the special effects that went into making this uh, costume he was in, the darkness is what it's called, and I was just like I said, perplexed, so I tracked down the movie, and I actually watched it on YouTube, or watched it through there, and rented it, and I was thoroughly impressed by all the effects in the movie, not just the darkness uh, whole setup they had for him, for the cosmetics and the whole suit. Um, there was goblins in the movie, which had some pretty good makeup, and I believe ogres? but they're called demons in the movie. It, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, the the whole Tim Curry playing the devil type thing, or, and my kind of perception was he was the embodiment of darkness, but he just really looked a lot like the devil. He had a lot of personification of the devil, obviously. Hooves, horns, red skin, nasty claws... But I didn't look at it as that. I looked at it as he was like almost an avatar of dark. Uh, and just overall impressed with every detail in that costume. He was, uh, like Ridley Scott said, he was a basically a satyr. Uh, you know, half goat, half well, he's not half man, because he's, upper half looks like a man, but it's only on physique, everything else does look devilish, like, the whole, he had a whole muscle suit on, and the whole muscle suit was very defined, and just blood red, and his horns on top of his head were, like, huge, they were like, he had like a like a three foot span from one tip of the horn to the other width wise it was crazy but it gathered a great image in your head so like such an embodiment of exactly what the production team was going for combined into Scott's idea of what darkness should be very very immersive when it comes to getting the idea apart. And that was what kind of drawn me in the whole time. You start the movie and it goes into 
uh, soliloquy with uh, Tim Curry as the darkness, talking about how he's asking the night mother uh, for power to help me, you know, figure whatever it is. And then he translates over to how humanity and its kind is like the most powerful thing possible in the universe. And I guess that can kind of be related to many things. Because I know personally, like the thought process of well, anybody who has a creative anything is truly unlimited. It is a very powerful source. Um, I don't necessarily know if he's referring to the creativity of humans, but it is something to take a thought about because the creativity of anything, if you can make a painting with just a thought, if you could make a movie with just a script, these are created by humans. And it's it's amazing because you go so in-depth and you become the god of whatever this creative thing is. You are the maker of the world that you're laying out onto canvas. You decide which direction to brush stroke, which highlight to emphasize the most, what colors to pick even. It's mind-boggling. It's infinite unlimited sources of creativity and um, personally for me I feel like in my opinion and I know for other people's creativity is different my creativity it flows through a it's like a like a I mean just to be brutish with it it's a bucket (laughs) and it it fills up to a certain point and then it empties out once my creativity is strained I can't really do much with creativity my uh creative process kind of diminishes to a degree. So when it comes to things like creating stories, uh, when I do have the bucket full, I guess, it's a weird analogy, but it works. Um, It feels like it's a very strong resource. It can, I can use it for anything and I could make some of the most vivid, crazy imaginations I can in my head and then put it into story form. Um, and I feel like I'm being the most creative and original person on the planet when I do do that. <laughs> um, but back to the movie. <laughs> uh, kind of referring back to creativity. It is it is a very creative movie. It feels almost like it's an adventure. Like it's part of a Dungeons and Dragons type like one-shot campaign of how you're playing as uh, Jack, who's played by Tom Cruise, and you're, you have to save everything in this one-shot campaign. It feels so grand, like massive, but in reality, it also feels captured in this small little world, like an excerpt from a story. You can probably name all the characters in that movie on one hand. I think there may have been 20 actors in that movie you could physically see. There's no giant crowds of people, no anything like that. The most characters on screen, I believe, is when they're fighting in the end of the movie. Uh, When it's Jack fighting Darkness, trying to save Lily. There's the demons, 
uh, I think they're ogres, goblins in the room, an elf, and the uh, fae are in there too. It's just, it's so much like in that room and it still feels like it's a whole coming together event at the end while it's the whole movie feels almost like it's in a contained world. Um, it's kind of strange to say it like that because it's, the movie takes place and when the apocalypse happens via the horn getting broke off the unicorn uh, by one of the goblins, the apocalypse happens to the whole world. But you only see this small little snippet from uh, these characters' point of view. Um, I do apologize. There are going to be spoilers, most likely, in this. I mean, uh, this movie came out a while ago. I'm, if you want to, just stop listening now. Watch the movie. That would catch you up completely. So you can enjoy this to its fullest and know exactly... Uh, what I'm talking about in reference to also, but, uh, back to, actually back to the next thing I was going to talk about was the unicorns in this. They, they, they are the embodiment. And I will say it like this, they're a pair of avatars that represent, in my opinion, two things, the light and love, actually. Um, they are pairs. If you think about it like this, they're you can't have one without the other. When the one unicorn dies, the other one doesn't really know what to do. It it panics and it's it's fleeting. It's it's wanting to run and doesn't really know what to do. Um, and the world becomes cold around it. It's also kind of alluded to with Jack and Lily. They are also lovers. They're one's Jack, who is a calm but attentive uh, human goes and he, he can, well, he can fight. He's just, he's just full bore. He goes forth and he just does stuff, but he's also precautious because when he does get the, I guess, nerve to do something very special for Lily, which was to introduce her to the unicorns, the embodiments of light, the physical manifestations of everything that good happens. I'm going to introduce, you know, this person who I extremely admire. I I cherish this person. I'm going to introduce them to these embodiments of light that if they're gone, they're gone. But we learned differently in the movie towards the end that the alicorn, which is the unicorn's horn, if it's just restored, it brings back them. And that's the end of the movie. If you watch that, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But the it's it's a almost like a mimicking, like a pair of how well the horses, the unicorns, sorry, are they're wild, but they're also because they can be, because they're free, they're they're full of love, they can they can do that, and they're to a degree careless. Uh, this is in a sense why the one unicorn does die, because the darkness has a goblin sent out after the unicorns to stop the light. Um, they try to just, he shoots the dart at one of the unicorns and kills it via distraction from Lily. Um, 
I guess to kind of come back and hopefully save uh, what I was saying earlier in comparison to what the darkness was saying in the beginning of the movie, the soliloquy he had. He, he was talking also about the unicorns too, to a sense. How their alicorn, their horn, can be used to destroy and create and how it's it's can rule the universe with it. Darkness, darkness holding the power of light in his hand. Um, just, it's an ultimate force that could still always be able to stop. Uh, because, you know, if there's an, never any darkness because of the unicorn is dead, then he has no problem going out in the light. It's always cold, always dark, always death. And that's exactly what the darkness feeds on. But his weakness is he can't go out in light. So the whole plot of the movie is darkness tries to take the light. Um, talking about the the temptation with Lily wanting to uh, approach the unicorn up close. It's another kind of analogy for love. It's you're very cautious. You're extremely cautious. And that's what they are, both the unicorn and Lily. They're very cautious with each other. And they just, that's kind of how that scene goes. It's very slow. And Jack is telling Lily to repeal, back up, stop, leave them alone. You can't do this. Because he has a fear that if something happens then Jack ruined everything and because he introduced Lily to the unicorns and he has a whole situation afterwards where he goes to the forest when this all everything does go down the when the goblins does kill one of the unicorns and removes his horn he goes to the forest and the elves confront him and he asks them specifically he says he says, what is this? Why is this? Why is there cold and ice and blizzard everywhere? He asks that. And then the elves don't know either. And they're, in a sense, the embodiment of the forest. They should know these things going on, but they don't know either. So they ask Jack the same question back to him. He tells them he kind of messed up. He let Lily go forth and the unicorn and he worries it's his fault but mostly her fault too um but yeah the next part uh, talking about the some of the characters in this movie are amazing uh there's this character in there specifically that at first i thought was a great throwback in Magic the Gathering, where there's a fairy named Una. And then if you were to play Magic the Gathering, there's a fairy in that called Queen of Una, Queen of the Fae. And I was just, I love that magic referred to uh, this movie. Possibly, I mean, what are the chances of two different fairies being named Una? Uh, so yeah, I love that. That's, I was geeking out over that scene. <laughs> but back to the back to the main story after the unicorn's horn breaks uh earth freezes over and we go to where we're at now 
the movie, which is the there's three goblins going into a house and they're I, I want to specifically talk about uh, another scene in the movie, and it's later down the line, where Lily has now been introduced to darkness herself, personally. It's this whole scene that's beginning to the end of the scene. is I think it's, it's a beautiful part of this movie. It starts with, she gets to, I guess it's considered hell, uh, darkness's realm. It's this whole big, enormous room, uh, big fireplace, ginormous pillars, but, you know, very dark, obviously. And uh, she's in the dining room, it looks like. And she uh, wants to start, she starts dancing. Uh, She starts dancing, and an interesting thing happens when she does that. Oh, no, no, no. Well, she doesn't start dancing, actually. Uh, She's in this room, and a figure comes off that's dancing. And it's interesting because it's a, uh, it's just a, someone, it's like a no-faced entity that starts coming in the room, doing spins, beautiful ballet moves, honestly, and then kind of entwines itself into these long, this gorgeous outfit, this gown it has, and has these long sleeves on it, or I think tailcoats, or whatever it is coattails and kind of entwines itself into her and then Lily kind of overtakes that it was almost like a uh, like a kind of like a, a an essence of some sort of darkness was floating around the room twirling in this beautiful dance into her and then she envelops it she becomes this darkness she has the outfit on that the spirit, I guess, I think I call it, uh, was wearing, and she just looks different, you know, she's, she's a darkness version of herself, and she uses this idea, and she kind of adapts it a little bit, and there's a very, very specific scene, which I was just guffawed about, it was amazing, it was the scene where the darkness he is introducing himself now to Lily. He comes out of the mirror. And I thought these were some amazing special effects. He, like, just, like, links out of the mirror. And there's, like, glitter and sparkles coming out everywhere. But it just looks amazing. He, like, melts out of it. And I was, like, thinking the whole time of the production value of this movie. And I was just looking at this scene. And I was just blown away by it. It was, it just amazed me so much degree. I do also notice that there was some camera tricks they did to make Tim Curry either look bigger or maybe even, I don't know, maybe censor some parts of his, like, his body so you wouldn't have to see flaws and some special effects or even just maybe to where you couldn't see his goat legs because I noticed his goat legs were never like barely shown in this movie so they have the the camera situated down uh, at his feet almost or almost at his knees and they look up at him 
almost to a degree to where like the camera is sitting at like a normal human's level looking up at him making him like 10 foot tall looking uh, I guess uh, the his actual costume made him almost like 13 foot tall from toe to horn it's crazy but this this I, I love that that he is this ginormous imposing figure he is just he's intimidating uh, just looks at you and strikes fear into your heart and that's what happens with Lily when she sees him come out of this mirror she collapses she passes out for a minute um, and then later wakes up to another part of the scene where it's just her talking to the darkness and she's kind of come on board with this idea of being uh, his wife he he introduces that idea to her and then she has a wit about it she says on the other hand if I am to be your wife. And she plays this role beautifully where she talks about the idea of being his wife. It's almost like she's playing him, but she almost looks like she's so, it's so convincing you wouldn't know otherwise. Like she's almost is enveloped into a spell that has overtaken her and she has to be this way. And she is starting to fall in love with him immediately. But she says, um, I will be your wife if you let me kill the other unicorn and at this point in the movie they have captured the other unicorn and uh it's i guess ready to be killed and part another part of this like dungeon-esque uh area and she says that and i'm guessing he likes the idea because it's a pretty kind of twisted thing and it does fit better than just saying yes to the darkness to be your wife but i think i thought it was a beautiful bit of uh, back and forth there. She fights and pushes him in that same way that she did with Jack, too, and towards the beginning of the movie. Towards the beginning of the movie, she said, uh, whoever finds my ring, and she removes her ring and throws it into this little pond on the rock, next to the rock they're on top of. Um, she throws a ring in there, and she says, whoever finds this ring can be uh, my husband. Uh, this happened right as the right between the scenes with the unicorn was dying and the horn was being broken off. So Jack knows first thing he does dives into this little pool of water because he wants to prove his love for her and he wants to be with her forever. Um, I don't know if there's any power to this ring other than the fact that it's just a ring to symbolize love but he dives in to go find this ring he can't find it for uh a bit and by the time he does have to come up for air the world has frozen over and you see the same scene in two different angles uh you see the one angle where it's daylight it's green and it's beautiful out and it's a lush forest and then you see after the flash freeze from the horn being removed where he's in the ice and you see the exact same angle where he's already in the ice in the water and it's just completely dismal and he tries to break out uh because the water's frozen over uh and it was i thought that was just a great transition right there um 
but yeah, just talking about the whole movie. Uh, I could talk all day about the specific scenes with it, but that whole movie, it was very good. Um, the only thing I did, I didn't like the feeling of how it did feel like it went. There wasn't, there was not enough like ground to explain a character here or there. You're just getting, you're getting thrown about all the characters in like about five minutes. Um, that's just a little much, much for the, uh, overload. Like I got a little bit of an overload from it, simulation overload from seeing all these fantastical beings and mystical things. And it kind of messed me up for a sec. I was like, well, what's going on? I need this to slow down. But that's, I think that's kind of like the idea of the movie. It's supposed to feel like a really quick story tale. You're not supposed to take this movie as anything other than it's possibly is a story written down, uh, page for page and then put into, I guess, a beautiful epic, um, and into a movie, it for sure doesn't hold, like, you know, the same thing that a normal movie would that you see nowadays, where there is all this backstory going on. You just are given information, and you proceed, uh, and, yeah, you kind of have your own imagination used to fill in any detail you could with it, any anything you can with it, you use your own imagination with it. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that was my thoughts on that movie. It was pretty nice altogether, though. Uh, beautiful effects, and I watched it for the effects, and I enjoyed it for the effects. It was amazing, um, and it had some really big name actors in it, surprisingly, with Ridley Scott behind it too. Just kind of blew me away. Um, the ending, I guess I'll cover the ending real quick, is there's this, it's a scene between, fight scene between the darkness and Jack, and Jack doesn't know how to use a sword, he says. Um, and I'm going to refer to a scene that I actually had skipped over. Uh, he fights Meg, who is this swamp thing, like a swamp goblin, like an entity thing right there. And that scene is so fast. And I really wish there was more to it. You only get such a little sparse bit of knowledge, but this is another scene with a great makeup and special effects team working on this. Where it's this green looking, I can't remember, witch, I think? or Oh, it's a hag, that's right. It's a hag. And it's so green. And it's like this crazy, almost nuclear green color. And it's on par with uh, the darkness's red color. Just beautiful, like skin tone on that uh, monster that comes out to fight uh, Jack and stop the elves and the fae from getting to the uh, dungeon that they're all in. And I I believe Jack flatters Meg the hag and is able to, in that time, react and try to slice her head off. Uh, It's really quick. Um, But he says in that, something where there, he says in that line somewhere, in that paragraph, where he's talking to them about killing things and fighting. He says he doesn't really know how to use a sword. But this is later comes in in the movie when he's fighting the darkness again. Um, go watch that scene. That's on YouTube somewhere, and it's an amazing, an amazing effect. Uh, that uh, Meg I, Knuckle something rather Muckle thing like that. It's a really interesting name too. But there's nothing else with that. That's all it is. It's just bam, Meg Swamp Hag. That's it. Come <laughs> uh, back to the the ending. Um, it's 
it's great. Like, Tim, for, like, choreography and, like, the sound effects that happen during that scene are pretty good. Um, you get Tim Curry, who's in this giant suit, trying to swing a great sword. But it's really cool because he's shooting fire everywhere, too. He's using his demonic or darkness or magical powers. And he's, you know, putting fireplaces for Jack not to go to. And he's acting really quick with it. Meanwhile, Jack is trying to use the Alacron or grab it from falling into a pit uh, to fight him with. And he's just trying to do his best to survive. And there's a scene specifically when the darkness charges Jack. And it's just, this is a huge, imposing monster charging him. And he just rams into the wall. But then he just stares at Jack. He uses that almost as an intimidation. And very much so as an intimidating thing. It's this giant 10-foot demon-looking thing charging you. While you just have a chainmail shirt on. I mean, granted, it's better than nothing. But it's still pretty terrifying. And he's just angry. He's getting shot with arrows that entire time he's running to him doesn't even phase him and I was like that's amazing it's like doesn't even affect him he's so focused on ridding Jack just getting rid of him and it ends up being uh, Jack I believe blasts him with the Alicron into this like weird portal I'm thinking or Maybe just the general, the darkness, where he comes from, like a different plane or dimension of existence. He blasts him right into, like, the threshold of it, right between before he's going to go into it. Um, right into it. And meanwhile, the rest of the uh, party is setting up a bunch of these, I think they're dinner plates, maybe a bunch of old shields. They're very reflective is what, what the important thing is. And the sun is about to come up. But they set these all up, all the way through the entire dungeon, up to the top. And they reflect light all the way downward and into everything. And they finally banish the darkness. And I put quotes out finally, because there's a line where he says, well, as it's happening, you can never rid of the darkness. You cannot get rid of me. And it's very true because there's always darkness in some people. And it's kind of alluded that he will be back. A fantastic ending to a fantastic story, I thought. Well, uh, to wrap this up, I hope you enjoyed hearing me blather about movie. Um, I would like to, in the future, come up with more ideas of uh, movies to talk about. Um, I play Magic the Gathering also as well, and I like to talk about, like, just go in-depth with cards with those. I always found that very interesting, of how the story works with that and things like that. I'm really into um, fantasy, high fantasy things. Um, and I really love horror movies and special effects in there. So in the future, you may be getting a lot of podcasts about that too. Okay, well, this is me signing off. Thank you all for giving me a listen. <laughs>